if you post six blogs and one of them gets 40 people who tell you they like it and six comments and all the rest only get one or two, that's the universe saying, go this way. No, come here, go this way, this way, this way. It doesn't matter what you want to do. It matters that you want to do something that's going to help people. And the only way to help them is to give them what they want in the package they want it in, right? You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. And I'm the other co-host, Michael Palmer. And boy, have we got an incredible episode lined up for you today. Our guest today is a true legend in her industry. She is an expert, a thought leader in helping authors and aspiring authors get their message out to the right audience and make a big impact, make that dent in the universe that the late, great Steve Jobs talked about. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the founder of the firm Keller Media, Wendy Keller. How are you? Welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's phenomenal to have you here, Wendy. It's like really, truly an honor. We're Aww, really excited to you. have you on the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be great. Um, I really love your mission. I think you guys have a great purpose and you're helping other people fulfill their purposes too. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. You know, so the theme of this podcast Wendy, is the business of thought leadership. So our listener is really, really interested in the business aspects of how one goes about establishing their expertise in thought leadership and commercializing it, you know, to make the difference they were born to make, but also, frankly, to earn the income that they deserve to make. And that's something that you've done for yourself as a thought leader in your business. Could you take a few moments and just enlighten us about your story and how you got to be Wendy Keller? Well, thank you. I believe that we all have gifts differing, and I am fortunate to have been given the gift of writing, I guess. And so I've been a journalist. Most of my early career, I was a journalist, and then I slowly moved into becoming an agent and started with screenplays, moved into books in 92, and I've been focused on that ever since. But one of the things I see, coincidentally, is that a lot of people have a real passion to do something amazing or to create a book and have it be a legacy or have it help all the people who read it or turn it into a catalyst for their speaking or their consulting or their coaching or whatever, but they don't have any platform. And so over the years, what I noticed over and over and over having to turn people down because no publisher would buy them without a platform, I realized that I needed to get involved because my interests are in marketing and journalism and so forth. And so I could help them learn how to build this platform. And of course, along the way, that happened to me too. I've been on lots of TV shows for all of my books and for my agency and so on and so forth. But the difference is that when an author comes to an agent, 
merchant and they have something other than here's my book, take it and make me rich and famous. When they've got those other parts, they really have a chance to excel and meet their goals and exceed their publisher's expectations. So I do a lot of work training people to also become successful business speakers or successful motivational speakers. And also a lot of work helping people understand things like how to get media, how to build social media. I'm now telling people you've got to get a podcast if you want to have that kind of momentum, all those kinds of things. And in the years that I've been doing this, I've learned a lot and I've also been able to share a lot and help a lot of people achieve that platform level that they're looking for so they can get all of their goals. I love that. And I I really, I think there's listeners listening right now that have a book in them and can see the merits of having a book. Let's, let's talk about this this platform and where someone should get started? Well, it kind of depends on who you are already as a person. I mean, someone can come to you and say, you know what, you really should also be good at construction. So why don't you go out there and really learn those skills and force yourself to understand but that's not really going to help. What I've learned in hard experience trying to cram platform knowledge down people's heads is that they should do what they're best at. So we created a quiz that go with my new book. It's called The Biz Quiz. So if people go to kellermedia.com slash biz quiz, B-I-Z-Q-U-I-Z, they can actually take a little short test absolutely for free. And at the end of that, that will tell them, this is what you should do. Maybe you're a performer and you could do podcasting, or maybe you're a natural speaker or a natural writer, or the kind of person who's really good at delegating. So how do you delegate? What do you delegate to make sure your platform grows? Those are really the four personality types. And based on your personality type, it kind of informs you whether or not you should go out and start blogging for it, or you should rush around and take the time to put together a YouTube video series or all these other parts. It depends on who you are, where you're likely to excel because any of that is going to work if you're good at it, you're bringing your natural talents and you're using the best practices. So platform could be almost anything when it comes to getting attention and enthusiasm, but you got to start somewhere. So why not start where it's easy for you? Yeah, for sure. And I get that. You, you know, it's not a one size fits all. And that's a great offer in terms of people going in and doing that assessment. What about for you? What has been uh, a, a key to growing your own platform? Well, I, I was selling screenplays in the very beginning and I had been through a significant life trauma and it really stopped me dead in my tracks. I was in a car accident and many bad things happened and I was handicapped and they were talking about taking out my left leg because it wasn't coming back to life after a certain period of time after the surgery. And so I'm lying in a hospital bed in my own living room with a full-time nurse living with me and and I'm watching television. My husband and the nurse and I are watching television and Tony Robbins infomercials keep coming up. And I'm thinking, right, you know, I don't know. And I finally actually got the course, the personal power course, and I listened to it. And in 30 days, it had greatly changed my life. And in 90 days, it had dramatically and permanently changed my life. And I thought, how could this be? So I wrote Tony Robbins company a letter. And I said, you know, I know Tony will never see this, but I just want to thank you all for what you did to me, for me. And in about, uh, I don't know, maybe two years, three years after that, on a Saturday afternoon, some man calls me and says, hi, this is Tony Robbins. And 
Wow. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And he said, we'd like you to be in our a testimonial on our infomercial. And I was like, oh my gosh. So that was a really big, uh, that was a really big piece of the platform. And I said, sure, I'll be on your infomercial, but you'll need to mention the name of my agency in the city we're located in. <laughs> and he did. He agreed. It was a wonderful experience. And so that gave me, you know, 40,000 uh, airings a month uh, around the nation, uh, around the North America, actually, it's Canada crazy. and the U.S. That was a really big boost. But since that time, I am the author now of 31 published books. My 31st book on platform building just came out. And, you know, and so each of those books gets media because I come from media, so I know how to get it. That's part of what I teach in the platform book. But I tell my clients also, you need some media, you need some speaking, and then you need to use your own aptitude to build your platform. And it all starts to fit together. The media doesn't want to bring in somebody who's never done media before because you don't know if they'll be good. And publishers don't want somebody who doesn't have media. And if you have media and a book, then a publisher wants wants to take your book and a meeting, you know, just kind of all starts to work together. But the way to start is to, once you figure out your personality, but is to start with the easiest things you can do. Start a, start a little baby podcast, start a writing blogs to test your market, whatever it is so that you can do it. That's how I did it. That's how everybody does it. And you eventually wake up and go, wow, look at all this distance I've I've gone now and how much I've created. I mean, everybody starts with one follower or one subscriber or one blog post. That's amazing. I love what you just talked about. You know what? Our listener really is interested in what you have to say. And in fact, Michael and I run a community and, and we run a program for folks and every 90 days they come together with us. And we're all about helping these folks really make the difference they were born to make, right? And, and, and get out there and be able to commercialize it. And a big part of what you're saying is what helps folks who are experts and thought leaders be able to leverage that expertise and take it to the next level in terms of commercial results, like being able to like tenfold their income, even a hundredfold their income by doing the sorts of things you say. I actually think your message is perfect for our listener and perfect for the members of our community. They're going to be really interested. Heck, you're probably going to get a bunch of clients out of this, really. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. I yeah, hope so. I think it's important that people understand that you're not just preaching a message of this. This is something you've lived, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my 16th book, I know that sounds like I don't, I don't mean that in any other way than as I'm saying it. Um, I, I just happened to write. And my 16th book was hugely successful. I wrote it. And I think this is useful and interesting. So I was at a cocktail party and a woman at the party, I asked her if she was in a relationship we had just met. And she said, no, I'm a born again virgin. And I said, <laughs> I've never heard that word before. Okay. And I thought she was a little unusual. And I came back to Los Angeles where I live and I'm sitting at this little um, coffee shop in Malibu by my house. And I hear this girl talking, a young girl from Pepperdine talking to her friend. And she said, yeah, I'm going to become a born again virgin. They both started laughing. And when I had heard it on two coasts, the party was in New York and where I heard it the first time. And then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's something here. This is a book, right? So my little agent ears perk up. Nice. And I said, somebody needs to write this book. And I called my roster of clients and said, can you write this? Can you write this? Can you? Nobody wanted to write it. It was a research-based book. And so I wrote the proposal myself and I sent it out to a several publishers and one of them bought it and it still had a pseudonym on it because I 
didn't know who was going to write it. And it ended up that I had to write it. And so I used my journalism skills and I wrote it and I sold it and it ended up being hugely successful. It got me on everything from Dateline to Playboy to Parenting Magazine to Maxim, all for one book. I mean, you wouldn't think that breadth of media, Mm -hmm. hundreds of radio and television and all this other stuff. And of course, I leveraged that because of what I know about journalism. But the, the benefit is that I picked something that was at the edge of the culture because at that time, at that time, the Sex and the City show had just come out and I saw that it was starting to get appeal. So the book, The Cult of the Born Again Virgin, How Women Can Reclaim Their Sexual Power, which is under my name and Amazon, is there because it was the opposite of what was going on in the culture. So many times, even this morning, a man came to me and he pitched himself as a sales author. He wants to become a sales trainer, so he has to do a book to get the trainings that he's going to get. Of course, I understand. But the problem is he wants to talk about you can be successful too. Well, that's been done to death. He needs to listen to what's going on in the culture and Mm. either write the extreme opposite or find a way of expressing it that's unique. When Tony Robbins changed my life, it's because I wasn't alive a hundred years earlier to hear that stuff from Samuel Smiley or whoever else was writing at that time, you know, Florence Scovel Shin or whatever. It's because Tony hit me at a time and in a place in my life. He didn't necessarily have new information. I don't need somebody to have new information. I need them to have a platform and I need them to have a refreshing and unique way of bundling their content so it sounds new to the generation that's going to hear it. Wow. Florence Scovel Shin. Man, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. I, re- I, I read her book. Her book. It was The Game of Life and How to Play It. That yeah, was the name, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Say, you know what? You've sold me. I'm going to hire you. <laughs> right <laughs> off the top. Michael and I will both hire you. We'll probably have an offline right. conversation with you about that What you just said is gold gold, gold for our listener. And people often come in thinking that they're going to write a book and they're going to get someone to publish it. And I think some of them are in for a bit of a rude awakening. So maybe, Wendy, if you wouldn't mind, just for our benefit, because Michael and I both individually have books out and uh, there's a book Mm -hmm. that we've, there's a couple of books we've been working on together as well as separately. Mm -hmm. Tell us, you know, but as an example for the listener, how we would go about taking what we've already got and turning it into something that we could leverage with the platform that we've already built. So the first question I always ask someone who actually uh, gets on the phone with me, which I don't mean to be rude, but is not typical. I don't usually talk to the authors unless they've been referred to me personally by someone I know. So if we actually got on the phone, what I would say to you is, well, what do you want the book to do for you? Because a book is not a destination. I mean, I'm glad your mom will be proud and, you know, you can sign copies and have a big ego for a couple of weeks. But let me tell you, it's not the destination. The destination is what you want from the book. So what do you guys want from your book? We'll do it right here and live. Okay, Michael, you go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wrote The Successful Bookkeeper because my my tribe, if you will, are bookkeepers. And we have a fabulous program for bookkeepers that helps them add 30,000 plus to their business every single year and a systemized way of building your business to have staff and have the business run itself. And so the book was was written to tell the story of the creator of the system and share with people the mindset shifts 
that they would need to make and the, the mindset shifts that Debbie had to make throughout her journey. And so it's an inspirational book. And it's and as well, it's, it's a way to tell a narrative of what the system really is because people don't often understand what is a business system. They think it's software or something like that, but it's repeatable processes that you can do and have anybody do inside of your business. And so the idea of the book is to educate, inspire, but as well lead them to becoming potential customers. Okay. So the bigger question is, you know, are you selling a training program on the other end? Are you going out and giving speeches? Did you want to grow your own practice for some reason in some way? What did you personally want from it? I'm not interested in the content until I understand what your goal is for the book. If it's just a book, we probably don't, we probably aren't going to do business because no publisher is going to want to pick that up. Uh, absolutely. Because it's not that big. And it's a ton of work. It's an absolute ton of work having done it. But the goal was really well, to sell, sell sell our licenses. That was, that was licenses and okay. build our membership. Absolutely. Okay. And so how much did the book impact your membership? Did it increase it substantially? Well, we just released it. Oh, okay. So I, 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 okay. I don't know, but so, we've, we've uh, launched a podcast with the book and, uh, and literally it, it was released about three weeks ago. Okay. So then I'm sure you know this, but you know, the, assuming you had not yet written the book, I would be talking to you about what you should be doing in the six months prior to the release of the book and in the six months after it, because those two periods, that one year period is what will determine whether or not you get your success from it. So I would be talking to you if you were my pending client, I'd be talking to you about how to use a book's specifically to increase subscriptions, or if you want to use the book to get media, which will give you that shimmer or patina of success, then you use the book in certain ways before and after release, very specific ways so that you can get the media, so that you can leverage the media into the whole brand building and then end up with more subscribers coming to you because when they see, as quoted in the Wall Street Journal or in the Atlantic Business Monthly or whatever, they're going to have a different relationship to you. So the book is only a tool. The book is not a destination. In fact, if you're mm. with a publisher, you're making two, maybe 250 a book. It doesn't really matter as much as one subscriber. If you're my client and you want to become a speaker, I work with massive numbers of new and emerging speakers and they'll tell me, oh, you know, I really want to do my book. And if so, if you were looking to become a speaker, I would say, okay, here's how the book has to be set up to attract meeting planners so that you can get those bookings and go out and give those speeches. And then, Michael, if you're giving those speeches, you need to do something to incentivize the individuals, not necessarily to buy your book, because again, that's not where your money is. You need to incentivize them to get into the subscription program. And here are the steps to take, one, two, three, four, five, to turn an audience into subscribers or the highest percentage of them, how you convert them. And there's a really specific strategy for that. You do that. And then this speech that you've been paid five or 10 grand to go give suddenly also is leveraged many times over by the fact that you did this. And the fact that you've been invited to go to, I don't know, let's say Las Vegas and, and Atlanta to give these two speeches. Those are golden opportunities for you to get media in those two cities, radio, print, and television, so that you can bundle that into your package to increase and, inc and enhance your brand. I am considered the only agent in the, in the U.S. who talks about the relationship between marketing and the book, because the book is just a marketing tool. It is not its own destination. I know I've said that before.
Yeah, no, this is this is great, this and is obviously, I wish I would have talked to you six months ago. Uh, Who's your publisher? I, I I published it myself. Oh, so okay. so the the where it started was really from grassroots. I mean, it was a a book written to help me tell the story to already existing prospects, and then it's had, it sort of grew. So I've kind of been going at it uh, a backwards way, and now that I've been talking to you, and I'm going to start spending more time listening and 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 reading your content and maybe talking to you, is mm-hmm. even though I didn't come at it from uh, the perfect angle, it's already gotten me. Uh, a, uh, a booked gig, uh, speaking gig, and not intentional. It, it really, you, what you're saying is absolutely accurate. And even if one does it incorrectly, somewhat, you will gain value from it. And uh, if it's done correctly enough that, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm actually blown away because my intentions for this book were not that great. It was really just a, a, a way to express our story to our prospects and, and as well customers. And it's gotten me already further than I could have imagined. Now, I think with your help, I think it will be, uh, well, who knows? Sky's the limit. Well, thank you for that. And congratulations. Let me, um, if I may, ha- offer the publishing industry perspective on self-published books. So, it used to be that there was a stigma against self-published books. That is no longer true unless you happen to work in the publishing industry. Because according to research done by R.R. R. Bowker, the primary uh, book data analysis company in the world, um, a book that's published by a traditional publisher, you know, Simon & Schuster or McGraw-Hill or whatever, sells a at the worst, 2,500 units in year one. And we really only count year one. So 2,500 units, but a self-published book, and I'm hoping this isn't going to be the truth in your case, Michael, sells 117 copies, 117 copies, right? You're a successful and connected guy with a platform, so I'm sure you're going to do much better than that. However, if your book in year one that has been self-published sells fewer than, let's say, 1,000 units, and I mean sells those units through Amazon or bookstores, not necessarily through back of room sales, which can't be tracked by uh, the system called BookScan, then the ISBN number, which is the barcode on the back of a book, stands for International System of Book Numbering. Anybody in the publishing industry with access to BookScan can type that in, and we will know exactly how many books you sold through all of the bookstores in in North America. And when we have that data, if that number is not impressive and you haven't been recently named as an anchor for a national TV show or a host of your own something that's mega successful, we're going to know that you really don't really know what you're doing when it comes to marketing a book. And if that's the case, it would be almost impossible to sell a second book into the publishing industry because the lack of success in the first book, even if it made you money, even if it got you speaking engagements, what it does for us is it says this person is not going to make us money because we're only making money off the book itself. So what I always tell clients is strip the thing off of Amazon so that it's not being counted at all and take the ISBN number off when you go to reprint and sell it all day long in the back of the room or through your website or whatever you want to do so that we can't see it. Because if I have to try to overcome that, that. the only things that that overcome that are massive amounts of success. Now I'm doing 60 speaking engagements and back then I was doing zero. 
zero. This that is beautiful. kind of difference. So if I'm hearing you correct, because I actually, this is great, because this book, The Successful Bookkeeper, really is a, what I like to, uh, it's a very separate. I have a couple of different things that I do, and this is not mm-hmm. the book that is going to be a part mm-hmm. of my overall platform. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, and it's a very, very narrow niche. Nor, and I, yes. you know, I wouldn't want it to be. I don't think it would ever be. So what what your advice then around the ISBN is is what you're saying is to, if we're self-publishing for a book that we're using to just communicate our message and we're not looking to sell copies on Amazon, because I'm not interested in that. I'm really interested right. in, in getting it out to uh, our customers through our own channels uh, and yes. prospects, is that I don't want to have it be on the radar is what you're saying. Correct. Very okay. true. So Absolutely how do we keep it not. off the radar? Because I, I haven't put it on Amazon. It's not on Amazon. Good. And Good. But uh, the people that I printed it with have an ISBN. So what's the advice? And I'm sure there's other listeners that are thinking, well, I'm kind of doing the same thing. What's your advice to us? Do we have to get off the radar? A lot of times, the companies that help people self-publish brag that they will get you the same distribution as a publisher, which in their minds means they're putting it up on Amazon, which is free. And it's giving you no advantage and a big disadvantage, as I've just described. They, the Some of them also try and go after bookstores. The difference is we don't want to see any sales for that ISBN. We don't want to see anything. So seeing zero, even if there's a book with an ISBN with your name on it, is a much better plan than anything. So for your reprints, okay, so take it off Amazon. If it's not there, that's fine. Make sure it doesn't get there. If it's in any bookstore distribution systems, take it out of those. Your, your, pub, your printer may know how to do that. And then reprint, when you get done with this stock, then reprint it without an ISBN number on it completely. I have a bunch of, uh, I don't know if they would like me saying their names, but I have a bunch of very large speaker clients, very famous speaker clients who have a number of books that they sell in the back of the room that don't have the ISBN, the barcode on them for that very reason. Because they may sell 40, 50,000 to their audience in the back of the room, but it would not translate into sales on Amazon. So there's no reason to have that black mark against them. So definitely just take that off. Awesome. That's great. Well, I feel like I'm getting coached here. So thank you. It's good. It's gold. It's gold. So one of the things that Michael and I are going to be doing, uh, we've been working on putting a book together based on this podcast. The name is going to be the same as the podcast. Mm -hmm. And essentially, the thought of this book was that it it would be 10 of our best podcast interviews, kind of edited down a little bit with a little bit of a bio of each of the speakers that was on the podcast, plus an introduction about what the business of thought leadership is and why it's important. And my thinking around that was a little bit around what you said, which is that we use this book as, you know, not not to sell the book, but as a stepping stone, if you will, to get people to find out about us, find out about our programs, find out and get opportunities perhaps to be invited to speak and so forth. So what, what you're saying is that if we wanted to do that, our smartest bet would be to have a conversation with you, hire you, and then go through all the steps that you're talking about. Uh Yes. And if you want me to respond to what you just said during this broadcast, I'd be happy to do that because it's a fairly yeah, common absolutely. thing. Yeah, this sure, is, absolutely. Yeah. This is great. A, a lot of people are going to be thinking exactly what, we're, what right. we're doing, right? So a montage or aggregate, a lot of people think, oh, well, I'll just take my blogs or I'll just take my podcast because so many people are doing both of those now. And I'll just put the best ones together and, you know, the same format you just described. Um, because it's already in the public domain, and people can get it for free if they're podcast subscribers. There's no publisher on the planet that's going to pay you for that. However, if both of you were to write either jointly or individually 
business books that are actually focused on some particular aspect of the business of thought leadership or thought leadership or interviews with thought leaders, but not done in just here's an interview format, you know, question, answer, question, answer. You actually incorporated that into a book. You would drive something much more likely to be successful and to be sold to a publisher. And then when it's sold to a publisher, you do the media and you use it in ways that draw people back to the fact that you have the podcast. If your goal is to grow the podcast and a book so that you can have more speaking engagements, then you need to do it in an order that's going to create those things. So you need to grow the podcast to a certain level of followers, subscribers, and then you need to do the book. And then when the book comes out, right, there'll be presumably double or triple the number of podcast subscribers there were anyway. And I can tell you this is too much for one conversation, but I can tell you how to use the process of the selling of the book to build your <laughs> to build your podcast following. And then when you get to the other side, then there are ways to leverage it. And because of those things happening, you also simultaneously can build yourself as a speaker so that by the time the book comes out, you're in a position to make $7,500, $10,000 per for a 45-minute keynote or breakout session, depending on which way you decide to split your business. Both of you, because you're joint partners in this podcast, have that same opportunity. You could write two books, you could write one book, but the, that destination is there. And I don't know what kind of sponsorship you get for your podcast, but usually just a couple of speaking engagements is more than the 50 grand investment that most podcasts that are successful get in sponsorship. So there's a huge amount of money here to be made ongoingly, because then once you become a speaker, your next book becomes more valuable. The podcast continues to grow. You diversify into other types of products and little by little, you are are building yourselves as premier thought leaders. Wow, that was awesome. I love that. You know what? We do have another book that we've been working on that really is all about encapsulating what it takes to be a thought leader. And it's got it, it's also a little bit of a parable. So it's got both content in it specifically about steps that you can take to become a successful commercially viable thought leader and it also has a bit of a story that we tell uh, about a particular kind of made-up person who's in the process of becoming a successful thought leader so I think that's fantastic okay so when it comes to a parable book you will definitely need to self-publish that it is not popular in publishing to use parables anymore. Um, That state publishing, people who see business books don't really understand how quickly the trends change. But the minute you say parable to a publisher, they they will fold up and they will instantly reject it. So right now, parables aren't cool. They probably won't be cool for another three to five years. So in the meantime, if you want to have a parable in your business book, which is highly detrimental right now, then you'll need to self-publish that. Make sure you don't put an ISBN on it. However, the point that's missing here is this. You guys already have knowledge just from the people you've interviewed and from your own experience. You both have enough of a bio to write an actual business book that could actually be sold to an actual publisher and do it the old-fashioned way, right? And get all the benefits. There's a real, I mean, yes, I'm myopic because I'm a literary agent who works with publishers, but the benefit to you of actually following the rules, so to speak, even though you're innovative and blah, 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 all that other (laughs) stuff, everybody tells me, oh, I want to do something unique. And it's like, well, here's what works. 
you go ahead. I mean, it's like saying, I want to bake a chocolate cake, but I'm not going to use chocolate. I'm going to use mustard and tuna fish. It's going to be great. <laughs> That's awesome. Can't I wait to that. sink my teeth into it. No, I, I, I totally right? love that. You know what? I big time believe in following the coaching and mentorship of people who know better than me. So if that's what you're telling me, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And I think I'd be interested. I think you've demonstrated why we were so excited to have you on the podcast because you are certainly an expert in this field and very well-spoken and the advice and very generous around your advice to all of us and including our listeners. No, this is fantastic stuff. Um, so listen, one of the things we like to do, Wendy, as we uh, wrap up interviews with our incredible guests like you, is we want to ask you to give our listener your three expert action steps that are kind of the most important elements of the secret sauce, if you will, that you want people to follow in order to achieve the kind of success that they can achieve with your expertise. And then lastly, what we want you to do is promote something cool, new, and exciting that you're up to, that you're out there making happen in the marketplace in a commercial way. So this is an opportunity both to give some great advice as well as to uh, promote something that you want to promote. So we'd love you if you could do that right now. Perfect. That's very kind of you. Thank you. So for those of you who are listening, who are thinking, golly, I'm just going to self-publish my book because I can have it in a week, or who are thinking, you know what, I don't really want to do the effort to get a publisher. Let me tell you this. All it takes is a platform. You just need to have some components and they should be based on what your skills and talents are, your natural aptitudes, your available resources. So the first thing is figure out what your gifts are, right? Maybe one, maybe 20 gifts. I don't know. Figure out what your gifts are, right? Kellermedia.com slash biz quiz if you can't figure it out on your own. Number two, you need to take the time to actually start taking action. And number three, and this is probably the most important important advice I ever give anybody is you need to listen to the feedback. If you post six blogs and one of them gets 40 people who tell you they like it and six comments and all the rest only get one or two, that's the universe saying, go this way. No, come here, go this way, this way, this way. It doesn't matter what you want to do. It matters that you want to do something that's going to help people. And the only way to help them is to give them what they want in the package they want it in, right? So create your content based on real feedback, not on you sitting at your desk going, wouldn't it be great to write a sales book? Well, that's been done. How are you going to do it in a new way? So that's all really important. Platform building is the key that unlocks the publishing industry, whether you self-publish and just would like to sell copies in the back of the room when you speak or off your website or in to get people into your subscription program like Michael's doing, or or whether or not you want to get a real publisher. Without a platform, no publisher in America is going to acquire your book. So you must build a platform, which leads me right into the fact. What a surprise. I just wrote a book called The Ultimate Guide to Platform Building. Actually, I didn't just write it. It just got printed. You write them about six months to a year before they come out. The Ultimate Guide to Platform Building by Entrepreneur Press. It's just now out and it is everything. It's an A to Z compendium, comprehensive, whatever you want to call it, cookbook on how to do 
everything, every component of platform building that will make a difference, whether you're a business person, service, retail, an author, a sculptor, a musician, a consultant, whatever. And that's my whole shtick. Go to kellermedia.com slash platform dash book to find out more and get access to the quiz. There's all kinds of free resources, all that sort of stuff, because I want to help you not because I'm making so much money from the book, but because by teaching all of you how to build your platform, someday you'll come back to me like Michael and Nikki and say, hey, we've got something. Now we want to turn it into a real book and I can sell you to a publisher and pocket my commission. I got a kid in college. Have some pity here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. You are awesome, Wendy. I I love what you just said. Thank you. That's so great. Thank well, you. It's listen, great, it's thank great you. to be here. And, and I just love the fact that you're touching people who want to do something in the world. The only difference is they got to get off their bottoms and start making an impact now so they can make a bigger impact six months or a year from now. Yeah, you you bet. We love it. We Wendy, love it too. Thank you so much for being uh, on this episode of our podcast. It's just been an honor to have you here. And I know our listener is going to absolutely love this episode and what they've learned from it because you gave them gold. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet. That wraps another episode of the Business of Thought Leadership podcast. You can find all of the information from this episode at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. And please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, let us know what you think. Until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.